Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Watch your trigger, become aware of it. Give yourself a break if you miss it once in a while. And then choose, take a breath, take a deep breath. Think about um, if it's something you want to fight about. You know, another thing this is going to sound, this is just like a really simple little tool that I give to people. Whenever your ex or your co-parent tries to connect with you through a text or whatever, have a picture of your kid pop up. You know how you can put a picture of whoever is, and then it makes you go, oh my gosh, I got to focus on my kid. And that will help you with that awareness piece. Welcome to another episode of Journey Beyond Divorce. We have a special episode today on high-conflict co-parenting with tips and tools for staying kid-centric. And with me today is a new friend of mine, Lisa Kosky. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I know you were on my podcast years ago, and it honestly was one of my most popular. I think it's in the top five. Wow. Well, yes. I'm so glad that we're doing this and swapping. This is a podcast yes. swap with each of us. Um, so let me just set the stage here. Co-parenting after a garden variety divorce can be difficult. When you add high conflict divorce, where communicating, collaborating, showing respect, kindness, and grace is often absent, Co-parenting takes on a whole new level of complexity. Yes. Today, Lisa and I are going to explore the challenges and solutions available for parents who are willing to always put the kids first, even when it requires biting your tongue until it's bloody. I have a lot of experience with that. <laughs> um, we're going to look at the little annoying stuff and the really big important things that can cause conflict and upset to all involved and strategies and tools for mastering the high conflict co-parenting challenges that you're facing. Just a little bit about my friend, Lisa. She's an attorney based in Woodbury, uh, Minnesota, uh, with over 20 years experience. And Lisa has a strong desire to help people through difficult situations. So being a divorce mediator is the best fit for her and her clients. She's passionate about mediation because of the children. And she even has an online parenting plan course to help you navigate co-parenting and create a parenting plan. So we have that in the show notes for you. Lisa, I am totally stoked for today's conversation. So am I. Thanks again for having me, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, even the, the, the challenges that every co-parent has are like on steroids mm -hmm. when it comes to high conflict. And I know that, you know, just to set the stage here, my, my personal journey started, my kids were four and six when I told them I was divorcing. It was three and a half years. It was ridiculously long, but they were still really um, in the earlier stages of grade school when we were in separate households. And of course, you know, there was anger and reactivity and, you know, I was, I was a hot mess and he was disordered and, you know, and, and the kids um, were just caught in the crosshairs. And, uh, and I remember for myself that, that pivot from uh, wanting to fight or to make my point or to get him to hear and understand me to there is always going to be conflict. How do I, how do I make every 
struggle and opportunity, an opportunity for myself in terms of managing my emotions and an opportunity for my children, because I felt like dad's a pretty difficult personality. They're going to have to navigate him. And so how do I use every upset that they have or that I have to actually move us forward? And so that was a philosophy that I kind of adopted early on. What a great philosophy. And Honestly, that is how I try to look at everything, every mistake I make, every difficult thing I go through. How is this working for me? And Karen, a lot, I am trying to change this divorce story. And I do have a lot of beautiful clients who aren't high conflict. I have some that are high conflict too. But what we're going to talk about today, I think can help anyone because it's always hard. It's always emotional. Even if you are connected and kind of stay friends after a divorce, you still need those tools to help you. And I need them in my life, just being married to my husband. You know, I've been learning, learning how to not be triggered. Isn't that, I mean, let's dig into that one. That's huge. That's, um, I think the first thing that I learned is stop and realize, oh, I'm being triggered right now. And then have empathy for myself. Sometimes I miss it and I notice it later on, but the more I practice, and when you have a difficult co-parent, look at the opportunities you have to grow and become aware and really look at things. Right, because um, the triggers will be plentiful. (laughs) Yes, they will. Yes, they will. Yeah. When, when I was doing um, some of my early uh, personal work, I, I was uh, reading a book. It, it's called The Presence Process. It's a very deep um, emotional healing book. And he had a saying, every upset is a setup for personal work. And that was one of the things that I took away. And just like you're saying, like, if every time I'm triggered, I just start noticing, oh, Oh, my body had a reaction, right? My jaw is locking, my shoulders are tight, my stomach is in a knot, whatever your tell is. And that's a piece. Just if you don't know when you're triggered, then start paying attention to your physical tells. Because every time each of us are triggered, and we often have the same tells, like I definitely... It's all in my neck and my shoulders. That's where that's mm. where my aggravation goes. And so that's where all of my tension lies. And so then, you know, and, and just that piece, that first step of awareness of saying, I'm triggered. I just went from zero to 50, 100, 150, like I am triggered. And then I love what you're saying. Your next pivot is Let me be compassionate and and self-loving toward myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've experienced what I've experienced when I when I do this and become aware and then I stop and then sometimes I'll just do a little deep breathing, do something to get my head in the right space. Isn't it interesting how taking care of yourself and your mind is actually affecting that other high conflict person. So interesting to me where, and I can't say, I'm just talking about my own experience. So I don't know how everyone's going to react to it. And I can't be in control of that. But interestingly enough, it has stopped the conflict in my life many times by me just being aware and not reacting right away to it, taking a step back breathing, thinking through, how do I really want to respond to this? Is this really something important? You know, and that's true when you're co-parenting. Is this something you really want to fight about? And if it is, then do it in a way that the other person, you know, take the time to present it in a way. But if it's not, if it's something you wouldn't get mad at grandma for doing, maybe let it go. Yeah. Well, and and I just recently did a boundary challenge and we talked about um, if you've been invited into the fight, uh, do you have to accept the invitation? Uh Do you have to accept it right now? Can you put it off? Um, If you don't have to accept it at all, you walk away. But if you don't have to do it right away. So there's all of these different small pieces. But I would love to um, 
add a nuance to what you just said. So there's two things that happen to us. The moment I stop thinking about him or her and what they just did wrong and why I'm angry and I'm going, ooh, ooh, it's my neck. Yeah. Ooh, I'm triggered. First of all, my mind is no longer focused focused on the thing that triggered me. So that's that's a little bit of a pivot that bre- begins to bring down the tension. The other thing is me and my team work with um, our clients. There is, uh, we were all schooled in the same coaching program and there's something called um, emotional energy and it's a, it's a signature program. And so we live in seven levels of emotional energy. And what you're describing is when we dive right into the fight, we're coming with this low level, high conflict energy. We're coming with an energy, but the minute you start thinking about, can I be kind to myself? Can I be compassionate to myself? Do I have to respond? You've raised your energy to almost forgiveness and compassion from conflict. And so it makes perfect sense since we're all energetic beings that what the person on the other side of the table is receiving is a softer energy. So even when we don't say anything, we sit there with stew. Like if you're ever sitting with someone who's stewing, you feel that energy. You feel that yeah. like, oh, yes. Even though they're not saying anything, you feel it. So, Karen, I love that you brought that up because that's new to me. I didn't even know that. (laughs) I didn't even understand that that was a piece of it, but that makes sense. And so when I'm thinking of my listeners, you know, they're wanting these little tools. How can I co-parent better? High conflict or not high conflict? So we've given them a little bit, right? Stop. Watch your trigger, become aware of it. Give yourself a break if you miss it once in a while. And then to take a breath, take a deep breath. Think about um, if it's something you want to fight about. You know, another thing this is going to sound, this is just like a really simple little tool that I give to people. Whenever your ex or your co-parent tries to connect with you through a text or whatever, have a picture of your kid pop up. You know how you can put a picture of whoever is, and then it makes you go, oh my gosh, I got to focus on my kid. And that will help you with that awareness piece. I love that. So just take the moment and shift back to what this is about, which is the kid. Think about the exactly. kid. Or which the is what is the most important thing that it's hard to think about sometimes when we're in the middle um, of a really difficult situation. So I like to keep the focus there. I love that. And, and, and I actually want to add one more piece to the trigger because the trigger is just the root. It's that root that we need to get rid of. And for me, um, it's always helpful to walk my clients through well, what is the trigger? Like, name it. Is it is it feeling disrespected? Is it feeling unheard or unseen? Is it feeling gaslit? What is what do you feel? And that trigger predates your marriage. Our triggers never begin at our marriage. They begin in our childhood. And so That's there's so interesting. work to be done. And so you're calling that trigger a feeling? I got to hold this up. This is, can you see this? My feelings wheel, which is on my resource page. I I am working to understand my feelings. And then I go to, well, what's the thought behind that feeling? So I do go deep. And so you're saying do that with your triggers so that you can grow and understand and maybe not get in this situation again in the future, right? Absolutely. Because if you find that... God, you know, I was raised in a family like I wasn't raised in a family. And, you know, dad, dad was a jolly drunk. Mom was a rageaholic. And so from this dynamic, I had, you know, I had my bucket full of triggers. So so then, you know, fast forward, I'm in my marriage and he's poking at my tender underbelly because he knows Mm -hmm. it so well. But that tender underbelly predated him. The thing is the tender underbelly are the wounds. Those are our emotional wounds from childhood. How beautiful that my high conflict or not high conflict, soon to be X or X, just highlighted something that I still need to heal or refine. And it just changes the whole thing because think about it. Imagine everyone listening, imagine that, You wake up tomorrow 
and you're not triggered anymore. That's not about him or her changing. That's about you healing and refining your shortcomings. And so when we use every upset as a setup, and we have plenty of upsets to work with, we're catapulting our own personal development and growth. And then we get to teach our children what we learn about ourselves and we get to pay so it good. forward. So good. Such a gift and opportunity. And I just want to say that I find that those deep triggers or feelings, they do keep showing up. Karen, I don't know if you've found that. And so I don't want to make it like, yeah, you do this work once and it's done. It's not, but it's like I get the practice so that I learn how to deal with it in a better way. So some of them haven't gone away. I don't know if it's something that's going to be a gift for me to work on for the rest of my life, but my life, I'm suffering less because mm -hmm. I'm learning how to look at it. But I don't, not all of them have gone away. A lot of them have. Some of them you're like, oh, I don't even worry about this anymore. What a great feeling. But some of them, they'll keep coming back and knocking. And I think that when I write down what's happening, that helps me. And then sometimes if you can go back and look at what you wrote down, if you're really having trouble over and over, I don't know if you found that I may be speaking. I mean, I'm just telling you authentically what I have noticed in myself. And so for those listeners who are feeling like, well, I'm doing the work and it keeps coming back, you know, that kind of is life and it's there to learn and keep doing it because it is helping you grow. And, and, you know, we go through so many seasons. So so if you start doing this work and your kids are teenagers and then, OK, they're in college. So now maybe you're having less interaction with the ex. But now you've got emerging adults who are triggering the heck out of you, you know, Amen. or you get into a relationship and it's it's the other person. So there's so it's I feel like. I grew up on the ocean, so I love using waves. It's kind of like sometimes it's stormy, like in the midst of the divorce and, and the grief that comes with it. And it's one wave after another. And you're tumbling, you're taking, you're eating sand, your face is like getting grounded. Okay, so that's one season. And then it slows down. But then something else happens. My um, my mom passed away two years ago. Oh, I'm and sorry. For me... It was like I digressed, like there was so much conflict in my family that I found myself being just this sloppier, more reactive version of myself temporarily. So to your point, there are so many things where it might go away and you've healed it for good. Uh, something might happen and all of a sudden you've and then it's like, OK, um, there's still some more work to be done. Like it's never a good or a bad thing. It's just like, okay, right. here it is inviting me into something else. Divorce is hard, but a high conflict divorce, it's overwhelming. It involves battling not just emotional tolls, but endless court dates, hidden finances, and toxic personalities. This is your call to action. Don't miss the ultimate High Conflict Divorce Summit from November 13 to 17, 2023. Our summit brings together an unparalleled lineup of experts, featuring leading psychologists who demystify high conflict personalities, top financial advisors revealing strategies to uncover hidden assets, esteemed legal minds to guide you toward a favorable settlement, and renowned child experts who will arm you with the tools and tactics needed to fight effectively for custody. Act now and register for free to unlock an exclusive bounty of gifts from all 20 experts, yours just for signing up. Take back control. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash summit 2023. Register now and reclaim your future. to some of the circumstances. So one of the things that comes up so often is, um, uh, you know, when you're switching off kids, when the kids are still of age where 
where you're switching them off and whether it's uh, conversations that are be he- being head- heard in earshot of the children or um, who's not showing up or who's not bringing them back on time, like all of that, that can be really, you know, you're concerned about your kid, you want your time with them, and yet it creates so much conflict. What do you what do you encourage um, people to do in situations like that? Right. And, you know, I, I keep thinking back to what we were talking about, and this kind of goes with that, and it kind of goes what you're asking me about. But I talk about as much as you can alleviate the obstacles, right? So when you talked about the drop off, the handing off, the communication, this is a new uh, topic for me is parallel parenting. It's probably something you know. I just had a couple on um, the podcast talking about it on doing divorce different, and it was awesome. But how um, you parallel parent and you really are going to keep the communication to a minimum, only talk about the children and maybe set it up a boundary, which you're probably really good about talking about, Karen, but a boundary of we are going to talk, you know, unless there's some dire emergency, we're going to talk about the kids in an email on Sunday. Um, That's something that you can do to help alleviate in that way. If they maybe send you a mean snarly text, you can just wait a little while and then respond and say, let's talk about that on Sunday. And then if you're going through a divorce and you need to talk about assets or maintenance or whatever, separate that out, set up a time and say, we're only going to talk about the divorce here and we're going to keep the children's. What do you think about that? I think that um, I think that on the tail of that, I want to say, if this sounds really hard for you, Uh, you need to learn boundaries because what what Lisa is talking about is setting boundaries. And the truth is when we set boundaries with high conflict personalities, um, they plow them down. And what happens is the people who are trying to set them go, that doesn't work. But if you actually know how to uphold the boundary, which has nothing to do with their behavior, it works beautifully. So I love what you said. Well, thank you. Can you help me and my listeners understand how to hold that boundary? Yeah. And so there's such, you know, just a few minutes on boundaries. If if you weren't raised in a household where you spoke a foreign language, you wouldn't do it very well. Many of us who have been attracted to difficult personalities we're raised in a household without boundaries. It's not a language we know. It's not a culture we understand. So a boundary is is just like a just like a fence and a garden gate. It's not meant to be um, a steel wall. It's meant to be flexible and it's meant to create some space and protect. And so you're saying, you know, tell tell I'll just say dad for now. Tell tell dad, you know, why don't we why don't we schedule Sunday evening? emails to talk about the kids and dad immediately tells you, you don't care enough about the kids. You only want to talk about them once a week and it goes into his whole thing. Right. Um, And it could easily be mom doing this. So I'm just using this as an example. And, and so then as we said earlier, is this a fight that you want to be invited into? Do you have to respond? You might say, well, it's respectful to respond. And so you write back and say, well, um, I, I will be checking my email every Sunday night. And if something is urgent or important, by all means, feel free to text me. Um, and then you get a whole bunch of things could happen, right? You could get 10 texts scathing saying how terrible you are. Um, and that's another boundary. And so a boundary is saying, this is my request. This is my suggestion. That's the easy part. Not always yeah. easy for people who haven't asked. But so you say, um, this is what I'm proposing. This is what I suggest. And there may be a, a back and forth that's reasonable. Well, I can't do Sunday nights. Could we do it twice a week? Like, that's all very reasonable. Right. That is very different from you wretched woman. <laughs> You know, (laughs) (laughs) which which meant many of our listeners get you wretched individual. You're such a terrible parent. And so then that's where it's like I'm invited to this fight. Do I want to 
do I want to attend? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and so you might respond by saying, um, well, it looks like we're going to have to agree to disagree on this. I'll be yeah, checking your I'll be checking your email on Sunday night. I'll be communicating with you on Sunday night. And then everything that comes after that, just wah, wah, wah. you don't you don't you don't engage with it because this is where people go wrong. What they try to do is say, I said Sunday night, Sunday night's reasonable. Why can't you? And then they're in this whole fight about the boundary. If your boundary is not being honored, you honor it. You said Sunday night, stop engaging. Stop yeah. yelling at the wall. Stop throwing gasoline on the fire and getting burned. Go about your business and check the emails on Sunday night. But there were 12 others and he said or she said all these terrible things about me. So what? You're divorced. You're divorced for a reason. Let that go. Wah, wah, wah. And just uphold your boundary. The same thing with texts. I woke up um, my worst night. I woke up to 138 text messages in the morning. Are they you were kidding? They, they were not nice. And each one of them was not short. Wow. Okay. So you had, I love all the things that you're saying. And I think that what we talked about at the beginning about dealing with those triggers, right? Wow. You had 138 opportunities to work with your triggers and decide, is this? And, yeah. And so I remember because it was just like the, my first thought, because I had already done a bunch of work is, wow, he had a really hard night. Oh, that you had empathy. Uh, because you I knew like this guy was up all bloody night long. Like he is twisted. And I wasn't like, ooh, I was just like, ooh, OK. Right. And that that informed my day. You may be getting phone calls. You may get a knock on the door like this guy is. He's really he's in a bad place. And then I scanned it and it was like, you nasty, you nasty, you wretched, you wretched. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And that was it. I took like 10 seconds to look at it. And I was like, okay, that's it. I don't have to do anything about that because the truth was he was just um, expelling his own anger, hurt, pain, and there was nothing to do. I could have written back and said, please don't. But instead I put his, I put his contact on do not disturb. I still see them. They just yes. don't ping. So I didn't get 138 pings all night long because I already knew that he was a serial texter and I should put him on do not yeah. disturb. And so a few very basic things on boundaries. I know this is a little bit of a, uh, a tangent, but not really. If you're co-parenting, create a folder. Um, I like humor. So put a funny name on it. If it helps you <laughs> smile, whatever that would be, you don't have to tell anybody. Um, I've seen all types of creative names for the folder. The <laughs> I can folder only imagine. <laughs> in almost e any email program will show up as bold when something's in it. Don't look, just, just, just put the the rule that anything coming from, you know, at daddy.com is going directly into the daddy folder or the mommy folder. And okay. then you get to decide, I'm going to look once a week. I'm going to look every other day. I'm going to start out by looking each evening after the kids are in bed, whatever works for you. If you read the email and you hit something that's you wretched, you terrible, you... Stop. Do not expose yourself to abuse. Just close it down. And I, my recommendation is once or twice write to mommy or daddy and say, I received your email. I did not read it. If you have something important to communicate about the kids, by all means, please send that single and separate from all of your other opinions about me. And I'd be happy to respond. And you do that once or twice. That's your boundary. After that, you don't have to do it anymore because you've told them, as soon as I read something hurtful or abusive or belittling, I'm not reading anymore. And then the parent goes, oh, my God, but what if there's something important in there? And what are the courts going to say? And what's my attorney going to say? And what's like the guy on the corner who's reading my emails going to say? This is 
not a concern 90% of the time. There's a 10% when you're going to trial where you want to talk to your attorney, but the vast majority of the time, nobody's reading your emails. And if there was actually something really urgent, they'll come back to you and they'll let you know about it. And so it's not a hard and fast rule because everything's different. And so you have to play with it a little bit, but to a large degree, the upholding, and this is the key, the upholding of the boundary is you changing your behavior, not them changing theirs. So if some, if you set a boundary and somebody doesn't respect it, I uphold my boundary because I put my X on do not disturb. So I'm not pinged. I open emails and then I don't read them because they're abusive. I, um, I communicate just the facts. I keep my opinions to myself. I keep my side of the street clean and my boundary is upheld. And so it's like a Star Trek force field. It's really quite this is, effective. Yeah, this is so, so good. There's I kind of want to delve in a little bit because I love I just want to say that what I really loved about you is when you got those 138 texts, yeah, you kind of had a little empathy for that little rat who was sending him, you did. You're like, wow, too bad. He must've had a really bad night. Oh, that puts you in such a different, you're not on the defense. You're, I mean, that's, that's a huge gift. If you yeah. can have that empathy for that person in that way. And maybe it didn't feel like empathy to you, but when you said it, I grabbed onto that. And, and Karen, this is this is a tool that is so helpful. And I do have a question because I know in my head, even okay, so if someone's sending me something telling me how awful I am from the other parent, right? Like you were saying, and how you said you put it in a folder. And then every um, now and then you'll say, I'm seeing that this is um, directed at me in a negative way. If you have something important to tell me about the children, please do. What about if you set up an automatic response that like you put in, like just put in your notes, write a nice email and say, um, dear co-parent, <laughs> um, I did receive your email and I saw that you were saying some nasty things or whatever, you know, about me. I'm not going to read this um, because of that. But I really want to know if there's something about the kids that's important that you want to tell me. And don't even just have it automatically go. So you copy and paste. You don't have to put a lot of thought into it. That way, that alleviates your little fear of, ooh, if this goes to court, they're going to think I was ignoring him. You're not. You're just ignoring his behavior. So it takes a little more work. But what do you think about that idea? I think it's brilliant. And I think to type out something less is always more, one or two sentences. Uh -huh. um, I, I leave things in my draft folder so I can just grab it and copy and then paste it. And so that's what I think you're suggesting. I wouldn't have it automatically respond because they no, might not no, always no. be nasty. But I think that that, that does that. That makes it even easier. And, and you can see here how it's like, you're going to feel like you have more and more agency, because I think one of the things that happens, and certainly in the high conflict situations is she has all of this power, he has all of this power, and then you like play into that. And the truth is, we give them so much power. Mm -hmm. And it's like, stop giving your power away. And if you aren't a boundary badass, you need to learn. We do have a, um, I think we have one coming up next month. We do once a month, I do a five day boundary challenge just to give people some basic tools and scripts and understanding. Because for those of us who have come from boundaryless households, we just don't know. Mm hmm. And mm -hmm. I would say that in the context of co-parenting, having healthy boundaries and being able to communicate, and I love the way you just communicated, it's like, even when the other person is being completely displeasing, my rule to my kids is never let somebody else's bad behavior determine yours. And it's my rule to my clients, too, because I could really stoop low when I'm dealing with somebody who's disordered and angry. And but why? Why would you want to stoop yeah. low? You're giving your power away. And when you say 
this is who I want to be going through the divorce, going through the co-parenting. This is who I want my children to see me being. This is who I want to teach my children to be. This level of grace and dignity and mercy and respect and kindness, regardless of what's thrown at me. So I can always be kind, no matter how unkind you are. I can always choose kindness. Mm -hmm. I can always choose grace. And and what that does is it levitates our emotional energy back to emotional energy. We're going to feel better and better about ourselves. We're going to live more in compassion, peace, and joy instead of victim conflict and aggravation. And so the kids feel it and see it. And to your point, I had one situation where my ex-husband used to call in the early, the first five or six years, um, it was my monthly extortion check with like such venom. He would talk about my monthly extortion check. And um, and I had a lot of, and this is me owning my own stuff. I had a lot of financial scarcity in my background and, and I needed the money and I didn't have it. And so I blamed him for all of my financial angst. And the truth was, my financial angst predated the, the marriage. He may have been salt on the wound, but it predated the marriage. And one time I wrote to him and I said, I know that things are tight for you as well. And he hadn't paid me. There were times where he was eight to 10 months behind. And I said, I'm struggling and anything that you could give to help me help the kids would be greatly appreciated. Um, thanks for considering it. I got back and and we continue to have a not great relationship. And this was a lot of hard work. I got back this response from him, which was, no, no, no. Thank you for being so patient. I can send you maybe a quarter, maybe half of one month, whatever he said, I can send that to you. I'll drop it off at the house this afternoon. I appreciate your patience. And I was like, son of a gun. Look at that. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That. His, he came back as this softer version. Now, it's not like that changed for forever, but we do have the opportunity at every point to choose kindness and to be the stand, be the person we want to be in the world. And Karen, I can't help but think what a beautiful lesson and opportunity that is for your children to see you do that, what a great lesson. It's even a lesson for your ex. You're even, your light is shining on all of them. And I think as I'm sitting here too, I think about another fear that parents have is, you know, there's a lot of times one parent who really wants to do it well and co-parent and the other parent doesn't. And what do you do then? You know, um, and I had, there was an expert, I can't remember who, but she kind of alleviated that fear by saying, you want to know what, if you've got one, if 50% of the time you're with one really high functioning parent, you got it. You're good. What do you say to that? I completely agree. I completely agree. And what happens if so when it's parallel parenting, um, what happens in the other parent's household is not your business. You have no agency there. You have no rights or saying unless it's abusive. And so, you know, let them eat Cracker Jacks for dinner and stay up late gaming. And um, and even they may go to school. I always tried to have Thursday nights so that the kids could study for exams because Friday was a big test day. And I knew that that didn't happen at dad's. And so you can think about those things and prepare for them. And then as your children get older, a lot of times I would sit down, especially my son who would game. And we would talk about his grades and his choices. And he's like, well, I could do that at dad's. And I was like, yeah, you can. Um, but does it serve you? Um, yeah. And what happens? And it's a look, it's a tough conversation to have. A teenager might be like, yeah, it serves me just fine. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but, but the more we have these conversations, like for me, 
um, growing my children's emotional intelligence, because I truly feel like I didn't grow mine until I was in my 40s and going through my divorce. I and, and I appreciate your compliment to everyone listening. Hot mess. I was the worst. I was the ugliest. I was the most reactive. <laughs> I was a rageaholic. I was the poster girl for what not to be going through a divorce. I don't want anyone to think that I'm all that. I have just worked really, really hard. And it has been such a beautiful transformation that I'm so passionate about kind of paying it forward and sharing it. Uh, but but my kids, there were so many times if I if I could put another situation on the table where they would come back and they would be really upset with dad or what happened over there, you know, and that's just such a danger zone, because if you're already mad at the co-parent, it's like, boy, can't you jump into that sandbox with both feet and just go at it? And that's terrible. That's not going to help the kids. Uh, it totally undercuts the other parent. And while it might feel good in the moment, it doesn't move anything forward. And for me, I remember being able to sit with each of my kids and say, you know, what was upsetting and what happened and how did you feel and what did you do and what do you wish you could have done and why didn't you do that and can we practice and role play for next time and sometimes especially my daughter would be like would you please get on the phone and tell daddy and I actually was able to say to her it's probably not going to go very well <laughs> You know, and daddy's going to hear from you very differently than from me because daddy, daddy's kind of angry at me. But let's let's talk. And then she'd be so. but he's going to yell at me. My ex was a real yeller. And I would take her through the same thing I take my clients through. I'd be like, OK, has daddy ever yelled at you before? Yes. So what happens when he yells at you? It's scary. Do you get hurt? Not really. Okay. And we'd have a whole plan for how to deal with it and with each of the kids. And so what it did was it gave them an ability to really articulate what was going on. So they were putting voice to it. They were um, developing emotional intelligence. What mm -hmm. do I feel when this happens? What am I afraid of? What could I do? And and so it brings us back to the beginning of the conversation. Every upset is a setup and everything that's difficult can help us raise emotionally intelligent, healthy kids who ultimately are going to be in romantic relationships. And yeah. we want to break these generational chains. We don't want them to end up in divorce or end up in high conflict situations. And so if you're the more ordered of the two parents, even if you're trauma you have your own trauma, I would say, take it upon yourself that it is your responsibility to be the leader and to be the change for your, for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids going forward. Amen. Amen. That is the truth. That is such a great lesson. I'm so thankful that you talked about that. I'm so thankful that you showed how to not put you, everything that you said did not put that other parent down. And I'm all into this too, Karen, if there are people listening who have sat and talked to their kids bad about their ex-spouse, give yourself a little hug embrace yourself, give yourself that empathy. I am so into that because yep. it's okay. Of course, that's normal, but you can also go back and change that. You can change how you do it moving forward. Absolutely. You're not going to run out of time. Even if your kids are grown, you can start showing them now how to behave, how to not talk poorly about the other parent. It's never too late. No. And and for me, so my son just turned 27 this past week. My daughter will be 25 at the end of the year. Now, like things will happen and they come back to me with my words and my wisdom. Yes. What when I'm struggling, when I'm in a, a tough position, and I'm like, that is so cool. Um, and so even one parent, I completely believe that even one healthy child-centric parent can make an enormous difference in how the children are 
Yeah, I love that. And I think that's going to ease a lot of the listeners' minds. Yeah. So yeah, that that's um, so that's probably maybe one of the most important things that we've said today. Yeah. And and there's um I, I can send you an article. I'll put it in my um show notes. So we have one or two uh blog posts that just talk about just the logistical complexity of co-parenting. I had a girl and a boy. They were both in sports. There was always a sport item at the other house when we had no time and everyone was stressed and we were supposed to run to the pizzeria to grab a slice of pizza, but we have to divert to daddy's house because, or my daughter would get dressed in the morning and her her favorite shoes for the outfit she was wearing was at the other house. (laughs) Or there's a history test tomorrow, but the history book is at the other house. I know that's less of an issue now than it was way back when my kids were in school, but there are all of these logistical things where um, it's helpful to have some some basics for how do you handle these things? And when do you just buy two sets, ask the school for two sets of books, whatever yes. it might be like there's uh, one of the things I would say is always ask, like for me, it was something I had to overcome. I was one of those people who um, was codependent. So I'm a great giver, not the best receiver. Yeah. Kind of like muscles. One muscle is really strong. The other one yeah. was very weak. And I would say, if you're a single parent, ask. I would have to ask people to take my daughter to soccer practice. She was on yeah. two travel teams. There just wasn't enough time in the day. Right. If you feel embarrassment or shame, that's a trigger for you to look at. There's a story behind that. You want to clear that stuff up. And so so ask for what you need. Ask the school for what you need. Ask the 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 team, the kids' parents for what you need. People actually really want to help most of the time. And it's great, especially if you're coming from a marriage where you didn't weren't seen and heard. It's a beautiful thing to be vulnerable and authentic. And it's like, I'm in a jam. I just can't do these things. Could you watch my kids and I'll swap and do a babysitting for you? There's so many ways as co-parents, as single parents, where we really can build a village to help with the kids. Yeah. Amen. And did you say there's a list of items that you have that you can send me? Did I hear you say that? Yeah, I have. I have. I have two articles on co-parenting. One is really those logistics. And then the other one is the more complicated. So I'll send both of those to you. I'm going to put them in my show notes. And I think that these are two really great guides for some of the challenges, regardless. One is for high conflict. One is for everybody. Oh, Karen, I so appreciate that. And I just want to let you know that I just decided this morning I'm doing a free masterclass November 9th at 10 a.m. for anyone. And I'm going to we're going to talk about co-parenting and the tools that can help us co-parent better. So I just want to put that out there. And I'm hoping that it is the first of many because I have I'm going to be using tools that I've gotten from you and from other experts. But also from my clients, from your listeners. I mean, send me a note if you want to participate or add information and I'll get something up on my website pretty quick so that you can sign up for that free webinar and try to record it. But I just think it's it's just my calling. You know, I just want to, to help these kiddos through these difficult situations and you kind of help them by helping yourself becoming better, dealing with all the things that we talked about today. It was so, so good. Yeah. 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 And, and I love that you're doing that. And I would say to all of our listeners, uh, if you're struggling with co-parenting and you have a specific struggle, uh, reach out to Lisa and yes. send her an email so that she can she can see if she can add that into her masterclass. It would be a great way. I would love to hear it too. Yeah. Like, what are the struggles that you're facing that yes. um, that you you're having a hard time overcoming? And let's see if we can add a little bit bit of wisdom and suggestions there. That would be fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. So. Um, Just for me, I love to summarize, we started with noticing triggers and and that awareness is always the first step. Simply becoming aware 
does change things. And then everything we talked about was how you take the awareness and you take the next step. You choose who you want to be, how you want to show up, um, what the boundary is. Do you need boundary training? Um, uh, how important is it? Uh, do you really have to enter that fight? Um, all of these things are, are great guides for choosing when to engage and when not to engage. And the bottom line is there's times, there's times where you actually have to go back to court or to a parent coordinator or a mediator to work it out. And there are times um, I, I had to, I had a situation when my son really needed some medication for his ADD where I had to get other professionals involved because it was that important. Just and it's a good question to ask. It's a 12-step program. How important is it? And if it's not that important, let it go. Life is too short. And if it's that important, then you're picking and choosing well, and um, and it'll serve your children. So, so true. You know, and I just want to add and maybe get a little bit of insight from you in these high conflict cases. For my clients, we do a really in-depth parenting plan. And I've got that online course that you mentioned in the beginning with this parenting plan. And in a way, it becomes a tool where they sit together and they put down how they're going to handle something. It can help with that boundary setting. If you put in that agreement, we're going to communicate every Sunday, then you can just say, you know, as we discussed in the parenting plan. So that's where I think that parenting plan can be extremely helpful for everyone too. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, it when when you're going through the divorce and you're in the court system, um, the parallel parenting plan is very precise. It's very specific. It it needs to be granular so that you have something. And and often the recommendation is even if your heart wants to deviate and you want to be flexible, don't. At certainly not in the beginning. Get get that plan rock solid with a year or a couple of years under your belt because um, once you start deviating with a high conflict personality, yep. it can go off the rails very quickly. Um, but but it is it's it's a legal document filled with boundaries. Exactly. Who's going to hold on to the passport? How much? If it's yes. your year to pick the vacations, yes. what is your deadline so that you can't hold my vacation hostage? Like all there's so many yes. nuances that we I was in court for three and a half years. It was all about the kids, the parenting plan, the agreements. And the minute we stepped out, I looked at my plan and I'm like, how did we miss that? And how did we miss that? And how did we I, I was like, oh, my God, years. And then as soon as you're in it, you're like. It's life. You're going to miss some of the details, but the more you give it thought now, and certainly if you haven't gotten to that point, keep a log of everything that's a struggle and go to your attorney or your mediator. And how do we add this element so that it's not a struggle? I mean, at the end of the day, if you have an agreement that just allows everyone to live more peacefully, the children are best off and everybody else is best off. Amen. I know. And when you're happy, your kids are happy, right? That's it. That's it. Well, this was a great conversation, Lisa. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. I'm so glad that we did it this way. Yeah. I would love for you um, to take a minute, talk a little bit more about that parenting plan and send me some information on the masterclass. I'd like to have that in the show notes as well. But the parenting plan program, can you just elaborate a little bit on that? I would be happy to elaborate. What it is, it's a course for clients who aren't sitting together with me. And I try to give them everything I do when I sit with a couple. And it's just less expensive, right? So they can use it um, and they can bring it to their attorney and say, you know what, we've done this already. So we're good here. We've got our parenting plan. That's usually the first thing that couples are concerned about when they're getting divorced. So I do talk through tools. And here's the interesting thing. 
people will come back and say, oh, you know, what about this? Or they'll let me know, well, we have an issue with this. And I'll just go into that parenting plan that I have online and I'll add a paragraph. So what this course does is it helps you a little bit with communicating, with getting your mindset right, helping yourself. And then it walks you through the parenting plan. It So you will have the parenting plan. It shows you, it has the schedule. It's a little box because that. That's easier and people can fill out how they want to do their schedule. And then it deals with all the holiday schedules. It deals with what about when you have a significant other? How do you want to introduce them? So it tries to go through everything that you may not think about. But like you said, there are always going to be things that pop up. And let me know if there are, because I want to at least put that. So you make it your own, but you have all this information and you have the form that you need. I love that. Oh, I, I absolutely love it too. Love and I'm that. so yeah. excited about it. I'm really yeah, excited and I'd about like, it. I'd like to put a link um, someplace on our website or something for that, because I think that that's oh, something I would I, love if you could do that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll chat about that. Cause I think we definitely need to do that. We need something in that area. So, and how can, how can my listeners find you? LisaKoski.com. And I have my podcast, Doing Divorce Different, which you're going to be on again, too, which is awesome. But that's fun. I'm on Instagram, Koski Law. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. So you can find me anywhere. And I'll you have all those connections. But now tell me, for my listeners, Karen, how can they find you? So... um I'm Journey Beyond Divorce. So we've got the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. We've got the journeybeyonddivorce.com website. Uh, We have um, a free gift, which is a relationship health quiz, uh, which is great if you're thinking about getting a divorce, if you're in the middle of it, if you're beginning to date post-divorce. So this really is just like, I think it's either 10 or 12 questions, which really hones in on what is the level of health in the romantic relationship you're currently mm. in? So you you can go to uh, relate. Uh, it's it's uh, journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash um, relationship health quiz, and I'll send that link to you as well so that you can put it in your show notes. Perfect. We will have it there, and I also have that freebie for you yes. that ebook that talks about how to prepare for a divorce. So that'll go really well with your freebie. Um, It talks a little bit about the parenting plan and it talks about the house, which we didn't talk about at all today, but that's a big issue right now with the high interest rates and keeping the house. So all that is all those good, you know, all that information is in there. Perfect. Perfect. So for my listeners, um, check out Lisa's podcast, Doing Divorce Differently. I've been listening. She's got some amazing guests on there. Um, and definitely check out her uh, How to Prepare ebook, which you can find in the show notes. And it has been, this has been such a great conversation, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me back on your show, you coming on mine. And I think we've just um, done uh, done double for our listeners. Oh my gosh. I am so appreciative of this. I'm so thankful that you reached out to me. And I think this is going to be amazing. And it is I'm hoping going to help people and I'm looking forward to hearing from your listeners and my listeners if they have something they're struggling about so that I can chat about it on that masterclass. And what's the best way for them to reach out to you if they do, if they're listening right now? Yeah, go to lisakoski.com. You can sign up for a free consultation. I always give those. You can sign up for my newsletter. You can just connect with me at at lisa Lisa at com, And it's L-E-S-A. So that's a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah, and you can find all of that in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. We will be back real soon with another episode of both Journey Beyond Divorce and... Doing Divorce Different. And I have to say, too, for my listeners, your podcast is amazing. It's one of that's really grown, Journey Beyond Divorce. I highly recommend it. Thank you so much. Until next time. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated. 
regulating your emotional reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.